And thank you for joining us this morning. We had a little bit of a glitch earlier with the live stream, so thank you for getting back on and not skipping around to some other church, okay? God bless you guys. And if you would take a minute, maybe you shared it earlier, um, but obviously we've got a different stream. If you would just take a second and share this live stream so somebody else can see this this morning. So I've got an important word for you today. And, um, you know, in fact, I want to go ahead. Let's get here at 1 John chapter 3. And I'm wide open this morning. I got up early. The kids got up early. The candy was out early. uh, Before I could blink, the giant Easter bunny was almost eaten. All that kind of good stuff. Um, So I'm I'm ready to go this morning. I don't know about your house. Um, But in 1 John, go to 1 John chapter 3. And in verse 8, it talks about something very important. It talks about the reason that Jesus came to earth. Talks about the purpose. It says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest. Listen, it's important to know the purpose behind something. It's important to know the reason behind things. It's kind of like if you if you were in school and sometimes you study some of these subjects like, like history and you don't understand how it really affects your life and you don't understand how how it really touches you, you're kind of left with just a bunch of facts and dates and things that don't mean anything to you. And what happens, the, the information is just facts and it loses its power. Or it's kind of like with my kids, recently they're, you know, they're going through some of the math things, they're memorizing the, the multiplication tables, but they haven't quite figured out how to use it. They know the numbers, but they don't know how to use it. And I show them some of the word problems. I got to help them the other day with their math. That's exciting. Homeschool is fun. Uh, I got to help him with some of their math and we were going through some of the word problems and I said, well, you need to, how would you do this problem? They didn't know. I said, well, it's, it's multiplication. They've got the facts in their heads, but they don't know how to use it. So the facts are just facts and it loses its power. I got to go through that math work with them. I, you know, sometimes I wondered when I was in school, what was the point of some, you know, you ever ask that question to your math teacher? Hey, what's, what? What will I ever need to use this for? And I notice they always avoid that question because they don't know the answer. You know, some of those um, equations, some of the, the I don't know, the, the theorems, Pythagorean theorem or some of this stuff. You say, when will I need to know this? And the answer is you won't until one day your kids are studying math or you're a math teacher. Maybe you're watching this morning and you're a math teacher and you're shouting at me saying, no, you need it because, because you teach it. That's why you need it. But they, so I, I went through this, this book with them and was going through some of the math work and it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time for me. And I start, started going through there and, um, and my wife came back later and she said, so you did the math work with the kids? I said, oh yeah, I did the math work with the kids. And she said, it looks like you skipped some of it. And I said, oh yeah, we, yeah did you notice that? We did, we skipped some of it. She said, you didn't know how to do it, did you? And I said, no, I did not do it. It's been a long time. But listen, if you don't know the purpose behind something, it loses its power. And here's what Jesus said in John, 1 John 3, verse 8. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Jesus came to earth to destroy the devil's works. I want to read it to you. In the Amplified Bible, it says, the reason the Son of God was made manifest, was to undo or destroy, to loosen, to dissolve the works the devil had done. Listen, 
There's a purpose behind Jesus coming. And if we don't understand the purpose, we're left with a fact. And a lot of churches today, they have the fact. Jesus came to earth and they worship Jesus. That's great. We need that. Hey, we have a fact maybe that Jesus came to save us from our sins. That's good. We need that. Thank God. It's like when we do the Seder meal, there's this, there's this ancient Jewish song that they sing called the Deenu. And it says it would have been enough. If that's all it was, it would have been enough. But we got to look at the purpose. What was the purpose that Jesus came to earth to destroy the works of the devil? To destroy the works of the devil. You know, I, I like that word dissolve. We talked about this in our class that we had on Wednesday nights before they, they kicked us out of churches and stuff. We used to have a class on Wednesday nights. And we talked about this word the fact that Jesus came to destroy and the, the word dissolve is such a powerful word because when something's dissolved, it's gone. You can't put it back together. And this, this other word loosen, it brings something up in my mind. I remember when we were in London years ago doing a missions trip and our team was walking around downtown London and apparently there's a, there's a ghetto in downtown London and we found it. I didn't know that but it's, it was a rough, rough place. And we're walking around doing a little prayer walk. And uh, we passed an area where uh, there was a bunch of, you remember the cassette tapes, how the inside of the cassette tapes, you could pull them out and then, you know, you'd have to wind it back up with a pencil, wasn't it? You'd wind it back up. Uh, some of you guys don't know what I'm talking about, but you can trust me, there's the inside of it. And there, I, we passed an area where the inside of a cassette tape had been pulled out and wrapped around some trees and wrapped around parts of buildings and things. And the pastor looked at me and said, do you know what that is? I said, yeah, it's a cassette tape. He said, no, do you know why they do that? I said, no, I thought, it, I thought maybe it got ran over by a car. And he said, no, the, what they do, he says, there's a lot of witches in the area and the witches will record themselves chanting curses on these cassette tapes. And then they'll take it out and wrap it around areas and places that they want to curse. And maybe a building of someone who lives there that they want to curse. And they'll wrap it up in a curse. And it's just such a great picture in my mind of what Jesus came to do. Because the works of the devil refer to the curse. When Jesus came to this earth, he came to unravel the curse that had been wrapped up around our lives. He came to take the curse and unravel it so it doesn't affect you anymore because mankind was wrapped up in the curse. Listen, when Adam fell, before Adam fell, he didn't have to work for anything. He had to work. God gave him a job, but he didn't have to work for his provision. He didn't have to work for his food. He didn't have to work. He didn't have to work. His work was about fulfilling his purpose in life. But when he fell, now he struggled for provision. He struggled for a place to sleep. Listen, the curse touched every part of his body. It touched every part of his life. It touched his physical body. Before the curse, there was no sickness. Before the curse, there was no physical death. The curse came and it affected every part of his life. There was no mental anguish before the curse. There was no depression. There was no fear. There was no anxiety, but the curse touched his mind. Before the curse, his spirit was alive, but the curse came and brought death spiritually, death physically. It brought all kinds of sickness. It brought all kinds of problems. But listen, Jesus came to unravel the curse. Any part of the curse that's touching your life is unlawful because Jesus has come to unravel, to dissolve the curse. So it's no longer a part of your life. Come on, you can type amen this morning if you agree with that. I want to tell you this morning, 
you can live in resurrection power. Jesus came to demonstrate his resurrection power so that you can know how to live. Come on. I can't hear any amens, but that's okay. If they shout, come on, if somebody types amen, Isaac's gonna tell me now. Come on, can you do that, Isaac? Okay, he'll do it once or twice. Go Go to John chapter 18 for a minute. So I want you to keep that in your mind. Why did Jesus come? He came to unravel the curse. He came to dissolve the curse so it's no longer affecting you. Listen, you're living from a different place in life. But I want you to see how what Jesus did now from that perspective. See, when Jesus came to earth, it was an act of war. When Jesus set foot on this earth, it was an act of war against the devil. He came to declare war on the on the enemy. John chapter 18, we kind of start the story of the of the death the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the Easter story, if you want to call it that. And in John chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus was in the garden with his disciples. He had just finished the Passover meal. They went to the garden, as you know, to pray. And Jesus is there praying, and he knows exactly what's about to happen. In fact, let me pick it up in verse 4. Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out because now Judas had come with the soldiers. Jesus went out to meet them. He knew everything that was going to happen. Listen, Jesus made this statement. No man takes my life from me. No man, nobody could take Jesus' life. In fact, they tried multiple times, didn't they? They tried when they, when they tried to push him off of a cliff after he preached his first sermon. How would you like that? They tried when they, they tried to stone him. But see, they couldn't touch him because nobody was able to take his life from him. He was laying his life down. So I love this. I love this scripture. Jesus comes out. If you could just picture the scene, Jesus' disciples have been sleeping. He was praying. And now Judas and a whole procession of soldiers have come to arrest him like he's a criminal. And Jesus comes out. He knows exactly what's about to happen to him. And he comes out and he says to them, who is it you're looking He already knows the answer, doesn't he? In verse 5, they say, Jesus the Nazarene. Now listen to his response. He says, I am he. Now that's not a good translation. Literally what he said there is, I am. Do you see see the difference? He wasn't just saying, hey guys, I'm right here. No, he's saying, I am. He's invoking the covenant name of God. When God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, Moses said, who shall I say is sending me to the people? And God said, I am. That's his name, Yahweh. He's re- he was revealing himself to Moses. He's, he's, I am what I will be. Listen, so Jesus is saying, I am. And when he said these words, verse six, they all stepped back and fell to the ground. All the soldiers with Judas got knocked flat on the ground. They couldn't stand up because the power of God was released from his mouth. I want you to understand something. When Jesus went to the cross, it was an act of submission. It was an act. It was a victorious act. He went to the cross in power and he died in power, victorious 
over death, hell, and the grave. Listen, I'm getting excited this morning because you got to understand some things. You got to understand what Jesus has done for you. Because listen, sometimes we, we think about Easter and we, all this Good Friday and all this as, as just kind of a really sad Good Friday. Oh, it must have been a sad day. It was a victorious day. And now it would have been sad to see Jesus hanging there. I'm not taking away from that. But listen, he went to the cross in victory and he rose from the grave victorious. Amen. So Jesus, when he said, I am he, that resurrection power went out of him. Listen, the devil thought he was going to get Jesus now. The devil, see, this was an act. Jesus coming was an act of war. He said, I've come to destroy the devil's works, and the devil knew it. Jesus had been going around doing good, healing all who were sick, all who were oppressed by the devil. The devil was furious. Why, why do you think the people wanted to kill him so bad? Why do you think the Pharisees wanted to kill him so bad? Because the devil was working in those people. The devil was angry because all of his works were being unraveled. He didn't like that. So he wanted to shut Jesus down. So he thought he was going to ambush Jesus. And Jesus right there, he says, I love it. He says, I am he and knocked those guys to the ground. His words could have torn the people apart. His words could have destroyed everybody who had come to get him. I mean, it's the same word that spoke, let there be light. And there's still light traveling in this universe. His word carried some power. Amen. All he had to do was speak the word and they'd be destroyed. But instead, he chose to submit himself. Now, listen, there's, a, there's an interesting little side note to this story, but it, it says a lot. It's over in the book of Mark. And there's a story about a young man. And his, his uh, in Mark chapter 14, verse 51, I don't think I gave you that scripture, did I? Mark 14, yeah, okay. There's a young man who's there as Jesus is being arrested. Now, each one of the gospels give us a little different insight. And I love this, it's so interesting. There's a young man, he had a linen cloth wrapped around his naked body. The guy was naked in the garden. Why was he naked? It says when the, when the, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, they caught hold of him, go to the next verse. But listen, he left with the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Why was this guy there? Now, some people think that was John Mark, the guy that wrote the gospel of Mark. But I heard another interesting thought, and I love it. They said in that garden, there were tombs. They would bury dead people in the, in the garden area. And that man, or that young boy, was wrapped up in a linen cloth. It's the same fabric they would wrap a dead body in. Could it just be that when Jesus said those words, I am, that resurrection power left him, and it entered into one of the tombs that was nearby and it raised that boy from the dead. And the boy stumbles out of the tomb wearing his grave linen clothes, looking around. He didn't have any clothes on. It's just the linen garment he's wearing. And he's looking around, wondering what happened. He sees some people and the soldiers try to grab him. He's afraid and he runs away naked. Listen, I want you to know something. Resurrection power was already at work in Jesus before he went to that cross resurrection power. Listen, Jesus is alive. Amen. I, you got to get, you got to get a hold of this with me now because listen, the devil, he wants just like he, he was trying to blindside Jesus. Sometimes he thinks he's going to blindside you. He, you're going to, there's going to be times where something feels like, man, I've just got hit on. I don't know where that came from. Listen, the devil is always trying to sneak up on you and catch you when you're not ready. 
But listen, the word of God says this, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You've got to understand some things today. When Jesus died and rose again, it was a demonstration of his power. He was, he was demonstrating power to you. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He undid all the devil's works. The devil's got nothing against you. The devil can't touch you. You're, you're bigger than he is because Jesus is in you. I've got, a, I've got a three-year-old at home, and he loves to step on, I've told you this before, he loves to step on bugs and things. He sees something, and he wants to step on it. And one day, I mean, he'll step on anything. He wanted to step on a dead squirrel. He steps on his little brother. He'll step on anything. He likes to squish things. He likes to hear the squishy sound. And one day, one day he was, but the point is, he knows he's bigger. He knows he's bigger than those things. He likes to squish them. And one day he was sitting down, and this is about last year, he was sitting down in, in the little garden area that we have. My wife came over and she saw a snake sitting next to him, all curled up about a foot away. And she was worried because she didn't know what kind of snake it was. And she said, Bram, I want you to come over here. Come, there's a snake next to you. Come on, run. He looked over at the snake and didn't care one lick about it because he, to him, he's a lot bigger than that thing. He wasn't afraid of it. He didn't, he didn't know the snake could have poison and could hurt him or anything. He just looked at it and knew he was bigger. Listen, I want you to understand something. That's what it means when it says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Sometimes we look at, we, we think about the devil and we think he's some big thing. No, listen, he's already been defeated. He's already been squished. He's a dead bug. He just tries to lie to you and tell you something. And, and we got to stop believing it. He's terrified of you. But you don't have to worry. The Holy Spirit in you is infinitely bigger than he is. Um, I read this story recently about Oral Roberts. And um, he said one time he was preaching a crusade service and, and somebody came to the crusade and said, would you pray for my daughter? She's out in the car. I didn't want to bring her in because and describe some of the trouble she was having. And it sounded to Oral Roberts like she was demon possessed. He said, okay, I'll come pray for her. He took somebody with him and they went out there. And he said, before he got to the car, he could hear the girl screaming. And, and the screaming started to sound like this. He's coming, he's coming. It's Oral Roberts, he's coming for us. And then, and then she's, he said, he heard a, the, the voice say, he's on the left side of the car, he's opening the door. And when he looked in, the girl was sitting there with her hands covering her face. He said, she could never see me. She never saw me at all. But somehow, spiritually, she knew where he was it, because it wasn't her talking. It was the demons talking. But listen, they were terrified. They were shaking in fear. They said, don't let him touch you. And as he reached in to touch the little girl, he said he felt dozens of hands pushing him backward. But he pressed in and, and prayed and finally touched the little girl. And he said, those demons left in a second. Listen, here's my point. The enemy's already defeated. You've already been given authority. He can't touch you. He can't hurt you. He can't harm you. You gotta stop listening to the lies of the devil. You've got resurrection power at work in you. Listen, I'm not making too much out of you. I'm making a lot out of Jesus. I'm making a lot out of Jesus. I'm telling you what he did for you. I'm telling you what he's given you, amen? Listen, go over to Matthew 27 now for just a moment. You've got 
resurrection power in you. Hey, this is good news this morning. You need to hear this. You've got, you've got the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. You've got resurrection power. It doesn't matter what things look like on the outside. You've got, you've got some power in you. So this morning, look at Matthew 27, 15, uh, what verse did I give you? 15. Matthew 27, 15. As Jesus now was taken before Pilate, verse 15, it says there was a festival at the festival, the Passover festival. The governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. I like that word, notorious. He was notorious. Sounds like he's a gangster, doesn't it? Sounds like he's, um, I don't know, one of the gangsters, Scar, Scarface. You've got Al Capone there at the, at the festival. He's got him arrested. He's got Al Capone standing there handcuffed who's murdered a bunch of people, and he's got Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus arrested next to some notorious gangster and then the governor says I'm going to release one of these guys to you who do you want they were given a choice they were given a choice between the notorious gangster and Jesus that sounds like a crazy choice doesn't it you can have you can have the king of kings and the lord of lords or you can have this filthy no good scoundrel uh, any other bad words you can think of. He is just, a, he's notorious. He's infamous. Or you could have Jesus. Who do you want? And the people all shouted, we want Barabbas. In verse 22, Pilate asked, what should I do then with Jesus who's called Messiah? They answered, crucify him. Listen, they had a choice. Every one of us have a choice today too. Every one of us have our own choice to make when it comes down to it. Who are you gonna choose? Choose this day who you'll serve. Are you gonna choose Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Or are you gonna choose the low down, dirty scoundrel of a devil? Well, that sounds like a pretty hard thing. Nobody would ever choose the devil. No, you do. You choose the devil when you reject Jesus. You can only serve one master. Everybody's gonna serve somebody choose who you're going to serve. So Pilate has Jesus flogged down in verse 26. He released Barabbas. He had Jesus flogged and he handed him over to be crucified. The governor's soldiers took Jesus into the headquarters. Listen to what happened. Now I want you to just imagine the scene with me. Maybe you've watched recently the, the passion of the Christ. It's so hard to watch, but listen just for a moment. They stripped him they dressed him in a scarlet military robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They placed a reed in his hand as a, mock, a mockery that he was a king. They knelt down before him and mocked, Hail, king of the Jews. They spit on him. They took the reed and kept hitting him in the head. And when they mocked him, they stripped him of his robe, put his clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. I can just see it now. Remember, as we began, we said for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the devil. I don't know that this was a normal way to treat a criminal. 
I believe the devil was working behind these things, mocking. I believe the devil was behind the cruel treatment. He was, he was out to get Jesus. He had him flogged. He had stripes taken on his back. See, the devil thought he was winning, but understand something, with every stripe that Jesus took, the curse was being unraveled. Every stripe that he took on his back was purchasing something for you and me. What does it say in Isaiah 53? Look at verses four and five. He himself bore our sickness and he carried our pain, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgression, crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was on him and by his wounds or his stripes, we are healed. With every one of those stripes, he was purchasing your healing. With every one of those wounds, in fact, the same, the same word is used in the Hebrew for the, the bruises. I think it says in the King James, the bruising and the stripes. It's the same word in the Hebrew. The same stripes that, that bought your healing bought your salvation. He already did it, church. It's already done. With every stripe, he was purchasing your salvation. But as he's being crucified, go to Luke 23 now. As he's being crucified, everyone who passes him is scoffing. Now it's interesting to me, as the, as the religious leaders pass, they scoff. They say, you're the king of the Jews, why don't you come down from that cross and save yourself? The soldiers, they scoff, they mock him, they say the same thing, if you were the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? The people come by. Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? Even the criminals on either side of them. Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, if you're the Messiah, why don't you save yourself? It's interesting. They all say the same thing, isn't it? Every one of them. Because I believe when they were speaking, it wasn't them speaking. Somebody was speaking through them. It was the devil speaking. And he's saying, I got you now. You think you're something. You think, you're, you, think you can do this? I've got you now. And listen, he's... He's talking trash. The devil's talking trash to Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. You can just hear it in his words. He's mocking. He's bragging. He thinks he's won. He thinks he's victorious. He's waiting for Jesus to do something, but he doesn't believe he's going to. He believes he's got him. But Jesus said, I can, in one word, called down, what did he say? 12 legions of angels. Something like that bunch of legions of angels at what just one word he could have destroyed that he could have come down off the cross if he wanted to but there he is hanging on the cross listen I want you to understand something the devil does what the devil does he's he mocks he's gonna mock you when you start believing this word you say I believe I believe in Jesus I believe in you know what's gonna happen people are gonna mock you if you believe in Jesus oh come on are you crazy the devil's gonna mock you He's gonna tell you things. He's gonna to lie to you. He's gonna say you're sick. He's gonna tell you you have some disease. You better not go outside. You might get a virus or something. He's gonna to whisper to you. He's gonna tell you you won't have enough. You're not gonna make it. You're not gonna have enough money. You're not gonna have whatever. He'll lie to you. He'll tell you it's over. There's no hope. See, he's just talking trash. What do you do when the devil starts talking trash to you? I'll tell you what, what Jesus did 
when he came and tempted him, Jesus said, it's written. It's written, devil. Devil, you want to come and lie? I'll, I'll tell you the truth. See, the Holy Spirit, he's called the spirit of truth, and he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. So you can listen to the lies of the devil, or you can listen to the truth of what the Holy Spirit's leading you into. He calls it truth for a reason, because it's true. The devil comes and tells you lies. So there's Jesus hanging on the cross. And for three hours, it becomes dark. And it was so dark in the middle of the day, it says it was at noon. And it's so dark in the middle of the day, you can't see anything. And probably nobody had lanterns with them because it was too dark. They, because it was the middle of the day, they wouldn't have brought a lantern. But it was dark because as Jesus hung on that cross, he was taking every sin on his body. As Jesus hung on that cross, he was taking every sickness on his body. He was taking every pain, every affliction, the weight of every sin was on him. The entire curse of mankind was on Jesus for a three hour period. Nobody could have standed to look at him. It would have been horrific to see Jesus in that state. But there he was hanging on the cross, taking every part of the curse on him. The whole time the devil's gloating, the whole time the devil thinks he's winning. And then suddenly Jesus, with a loud voice, he shouts, it is finished. Three words, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. That moment, the curse, I want you to understand something. The curse was forever broken in your life. In Matthew 27, 51, it says that what happened in that moment suddenly, like we sang earlier, the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. The tombs were also open. Oh, sorry. They were, the curtain was split in two. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs were also open. As Can you imagine Jesus on that cross? It is finished. And boom, as he says it, an earthquake happens. The veil in the temple is ripped in two. The ground begins to, begins to shake. Rocks begin to split apart. Tombs that had been sealed begin to come open and people come out of the tombs. Listen, Jesus went into the ground with resurrection power already coming out of him. He went into the ground and as he went in, those people began to rise from the dead. You couldn't keep him down. He got down into the grave. Let me keep reading. It says those people that came alive came out of the tombs, entered the city and appeared to many people. The centurions who were there with him were guarding Jesus. They saw the earth, they saw all this stuff happen and they made this statement, this man really was God's son. Listen, I wanna tell you something. Jesus died with resurrection power. He died already victorious. The devil thought he won. The devil thought he was a winner, but he was about to find out he's the biggest loser. He didn't understand what was happening. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter two. I want you to see this this morning so you can understand what's been done for you. In verse 6, second, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, however, among the mature, we speak a wisdom, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery 
which God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew it. Listen, the devil, that's who is referring to here, didn't know what God was up to. He didn't know what Jesus was up to. He thought he was winning, but he didn't know the curse was dissolving right in his hands. Every sickness, it was being dissolved. The the sin of the world, it was being dissolved. The curse that was wrapped up on this earth was being dissolved because it says if he'd known what was happening, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Listen, the devil thought he was a winner but he was about to be the biggest loser because the same Jesus who split the ground when he went into the earth was about to three days later split the ground again when he came back up. And right now he's seated out of the right hand of God waiting for the time when he's gonna return again and split the earth one more time when he returns. Listen, Jesus is alive and he's coming again soon, come on. That's good news, you can type amen right there. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We serve a risen Savior. Look at this Colossians chapter 2. When Jesus died on the cross, he did something for us. Did I give you that one? Colossians 2 verse 15. I'll get it. Colossians 2 15. He disarmed. Let me back up to verse 14, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us. And he's taken out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He took your sin. He took the debt that was against you and he nailed it to the cross. He took everything the devil could try to accuse you of. It's already been nailed to the cross. And he did. He went a little bit further. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them. Listen, the devil's got his arms taken away. He can't even touch you because he's got no arms. I know that's not what it means. It means his weapons, but he's been disarmed. He doesn't carry anything. He's got no, there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper because the devil's already been disarmed. He disarmed them and he did something else. I love this. Listen, he disarmed the devil. He disarmed every demon in hell and he disgraced them publicly. The the devil's been disgraced because when Jesus rose from the dead, he became a humiliated being before all of heaven and earth. The devil's been disgraced because Jesus has triumphed over him. I wanna share a couple more scriptures. I'm getting ready to close. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. This is good news this morning, guys. Anybody excited? Hebrews 12, look at verse 18. You've not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to a darkness, a gloom and storm, to a blast of a trumpet. He's talking about Israel when they came out of Egypt and to the, when they came to the mountain. He says, to a blast of a trumpet and the sounds of words, those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken because they couldn't bear what was commanded. But listen to verse 21, or verse 22. Instead, you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels and festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to God who is the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous people made perfect, to Jesus, now listen, to Jesus, 
the mediator of a new covenant. You've got a new covenant, don't you? And to the sprinkled blood, which says better things than the blood of Abel. I love that. Listen to this for a minute. Well, what was the blood of Abel? Do you remember Abel was killed by his brother? So Abel's blood, God said, was crying out from the ground, crying out for justice. But Jesus' word, Jesus' blood speaks a better word. His word says, your sins are forgiven. His blood says, your debt is erased. His blood says, by his stripes you've been healed. Listen, his blood speaks a better word for you, but you gotta come into agreement with his blood because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything is established. What does it say in Revelation? How do you overcome? You overcome by the blood of the lamb and something else, the word of your testimony. You gotta start getting your testimony to line up with his blood because his blood has already paid the price for you. His blood has given you power to live. His blood has done everything for you that you're ever gonna need. It's in the blood. It's It's because of the blood. Listen, when Jesus stepped into heaven, he took his own blood and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat. His own blood, your sins, are forgiven. You've been made white as snow. You've been made right with God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So on that morning, that Sunday morning, I read this scripture as we began this morning, and I'm going to close with it, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 1. On that Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago, some women went to the tomb and there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and he was sitting on top of the stone. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were shaken in fear of him and they became like dead men. Listen, Jesus went into the ground victorious. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He's made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He came to undo everything the devil had done. He came to undo the works of the devil. The devil has no more hold in your life. The curse has no hold on you. You've been redeemed from the curse. Amen. Death has been swallowed up in victory. The devil thought he won, but instead he was disarmed. Jesus took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he left the devil with nothing. Jesus won the victory, and he gave it to you. One last scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 18, I pray that the perception of your mind might be enlightened so you can know what is the hope of his calling, what of the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the, listen, immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength. Listen to his immeasurable power. He demonstrated this power. Jesus demonstrated his power for us or God demonstrated his power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and he seated him as at his right hand, far above every ruler 
and every authority and every power and every dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but the one to come. And he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Listen, Jesus demonstrated power. He rose from the dead. Resurrection power was coming out of him. And it's, listen, it's available to you today. Jesus came to undo the works of the devil, to undo the curse. It doesn't have to affect you anymore. Listen, the things that affect this world don't have to affect you anymore because the curse has been unraveled for you. Now it's your job to live like it. Now it's your job to go and preach the kingdom of God so that people don't have to be bound anymore. You set some people free. You use the anointing Jesus has given you. You walk in what he's done for you, amen? See, listen, maybe today, I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. We're gonna pray right now. Maybe today you're away from God. Maybe today you know your life isn't right with Jesus Christ. Listen, God sent his son Jesus to make you right. He sent Jesus so that you could be right. We have a choice. We have a choice just like the people back then. They could choose Jesus or they could choose Barabbas. We've got a choice too. You can choose Jesus. You can choose life. You can choose the Son of God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, or you can choose the devil. Or you say, no, listen, I, I just, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus, but I'm not choosing the devil. Yes, you are. You'll find out. Listen, you get a choice. Choose Jesus or choose the devil. You choose heaven or you choose hell. It's up to you. Listen, today, if you need to make your life right with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. This Easter Sunday, 2020, from a place, maybe you're in your, your own home. You're, listen, you're, you're in your home. You can't go anywhere. But right where you are, Jesus is with you. Right where you are, Jesus can touch you. I want you just, if you want to make your life right with God today, I want you to just put your hand on the screen and agree with me today as I pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Repeat this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and make me a new person. I give you my life today, Jesus. Thank you for making me new. Thank you that the curse has been undone for me. Thank you that you've given me resurrection power because the Holy Spirit will come and live inside me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Listen, right where you are, Jesus has touched you right now. If you prayed that prayer, he's come into your heart. You sent us a note and let us know. We want to pray for you and encourage you any way we can. But listen, for the rest of you today, this is a, this is a day of victory. This was the greatest day in the history of the world. Jesus rose from the dead. You have victory today. Despite what's going on around you, despite the condition of the world, you live from a place of victory. You live with resurrection power inside you. The media has tried to tell you you're powerless. Maybe the government wants you to believe you're powerless. People want you to think you've got, you've got nothing. Listen, you've got everything. You've got resurrection power inside you. You don't listen to anybody who tells you that stuff. You listen to the word of God. You've got resurrection power because the Holy Spirit lives in you today. But I wanna pray for you right now. If you, need a, if you need something today, we're here for you. We wanna pray for you. I want you to agree with me as I pray. If you need healing, if you need provision, if you need some kind of a miracle in your family, you agree with me today. You touch that screen and agree as we pray. Lord, I thank you right now. 
supernatural provision to be manifest in each person's life. I thank you right now, supernatural miracles to begin to flow to each person that needs a miracle. Lord, I thank you for touching their bodies, touching their minds. Lord, I thank you for just wholeness for them. You came to make us whole, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, not just our spirits, but I thank you. Even our bodies are being made whole. Even our minds are being made whole. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I thank you for miracles and families. I thank you for blessing each person today in the name of Jesus. God bless you.